This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today we have very special guests with us. Um, I'm very excited about this particular episode. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about holiness, you know, and 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 and, and standards, and, and how those are reflected in our lives and, and in our relationships. And, and uh, so, before we get too into the topic, uh, why don't you folks introduce yourself uh, to our listeners? Okay, um, my name is Delbert Treach, and I'm Jennifer. And uh, we are church-centered folks. We've been in ministry uh, pretty much all our lives since we were kids, been raised in church. Um, Both of our fathers were, are and and were ministers. Um, My dad's a UPC ordained minister. Jennifer's father was an ALJC uh, minister, planted churches, pastored churches, evangelized and all of that. My dad's pastored. Of course, I'm an ordained minister with UPC and I pastored for a couple of years. We, um, we've got five kids ranging from three, I'm sorry, four kids. Yeah. Four kids, ranging from three to 17. I'm one of the kids, so I make five. But, uh, and uh, my wife's a retired RN, homeschool mom. And we're both musicians, singers, songwriters. Yeah, I've been involved in music ministry since we were yeah. kids. That's tremendous. Um, you going to sing a song for us tonight? No. No? No, okay. We, we didn't prepare that, so, that much. We're, we're, we'll plan that for another time. Yeah, that, <laughs> sounds good. that sounds good. So, what initiated this particular podcast episode was um, a conversation on Twitter about, you know, holiness standards and you know there was there was a bit of back and forth and and a lot of uh, a lot of edifying material but why don't you just talk to us a little bit about what holiness is and then how our standards sort of coincide with that go ahead Um, I believe it started with my response, uh, Brother Crooker, to your to your tweet. And um, I can't remember word for word uh, what you said, but it was basically women need to stop covering up uh, who they are. And um, I just responded that, you know, most women my age, I'm I'm in my early 40s and uh, most women my age these days, they're dying away the gray. Uh, filling in the fine lines and wrinkles, covering up the dark circles and blemishes. And as an apostolic woman in my 40s, it's a vulnerable, self-conscious time. 
it's where you really have to come to terms with what you believe and why it's for me personally, um, like my husband said, being raised in church all my life, I basically cut my teeth on the back of a Pentecostal pew. Um, all of those lessons, all of those Bible studies, everything I heard from a pulpit that was in my ingrained in my heart as a child, um, it's where it really came to light was at this time in my life when I'm going through so many physical, emotional, spiritual, mental changes, um, and the women all around me in the world, you know, we're just being bombarded with so much marketing, uh, stay young as long as you can and, and hide the flaws, you know, and that's where the teaching of the beauty of holiness really comes to light. Yeah, I, um, when I think about holiness and, and what it is, the, the, the word that comes to mind is separation. Holiness is separation and more specifically in, uh, in our context, holiness is separation from sin. And, um, it, you know, God, God is holy. Of course, the scripture says that we should be holy because God is holy. Right. And on the surface, that sounds, that sounds pretty good that, well, because God is holy, let's be holy. But why? What's, what's the reason for that? And it makes me think about, you know, uh, when sin entered the world, when, when man first sinned. Before that, uh, we had communion with God. We had intimacy with God. And then sin brought division and it separated us from God. And I think it created this distinction, this uh, this distinction that really emphasized the holiness of God against the relief of the darkness of sin. And we were separated. And so the reason we need to be holy, because God is holy, the point is so we can re repair that breach. And of course, we know that uh, Jesus death, burial, and resurrection, the cross, Calvary, that that is what he has made available so that that breach can be repaired. But that, I think, is it's the beginning of our journey of holiness. We're, I believe we're cleaned, we're sanctified at that point, but, you know, I don't think that heaven is guaranteed for us. It, it We have a responsibility on how we're going to live our lives, and right. we're beginning that that journey of holiness at that point and it's so that we can be separated from sin because we have on one hand we have sin we can choose sin or we can choose god but we can't choose both and he's holy wow. and he's separated so if we want to be close to god then we've got to be separated from sin as well we we've got to be holy because he's holy amen and uh, to me I believe holiness is it's being a reflection of his holiness uh, just to add to what he was saying it's um, more than just being set apart or living a life of dedication and service toward God it's becoming a vessel that can reflect the holiness of God in human form and when we're filled with his spirit then we portray his holiness we take on his nature we become holy as he is holy and his holiness is beautiful. There's nothing 
to me that's more lovely than radiating the beauty of his holiness. And um, I believe the, the purpose of holiness is relationship with God. He wants to be close to us. Like he said, sin separated us from God. Obedience to his word is what brings us back to God. And that road is holiness. Sister Vesta Mangan said it really well. She said, holiness doesn't arrive at a point. It's a highway you travel to reach a point. Wow. Yeah. So in, in, in looking at, you know, particular standards, um, that churches have, um, not even necessarily makeup or, or, or hair dye, but, but what about things like, um, you know, uh, facial hair and, um, all these different things that we have, you know, how, how long, you know, skirt should be, how long the sleeve sleeve should be. Um, because these are questions that a lot of apostolics have. And then, you know, we're looking in the Bible, right? And we're trying to find, you know, certain teachings, for instance, and I'm going to use facial hair because, you know, you, you, you're just not going to find anywhere in the Bible where it says for men not to have facial hair. You know, it's, it's more of a cultural right. standard that, that was, you know, put in place. And I mean, I, I try, I, I really, I really try my hardest not to get into these types of debates. Bates on Twitter, um, but you know I'm I'm always open to correction, and so if I'm wrong, obviously you know I'm I'm open to that, um, it, you know, and and so there are some things, and I, I actually tweeted this recently. There are some things that, you know, no amount of study will make biblical, but right. there are right. but there are plenty of uh, things that we abide by and the ways that we live our life. And, you know, and here's the thing. Um, when it comes to certain standards that you have in your life, um, I think the best place for any of us to go is when Paul is writing and he talks about how we need to be careful the way we live our life because we don't want to be a stumbling block to our, our brethren, um, yes. you know, and just because something, I, I believe he was talking about certain meat that was being offered to idols and, and things like that, and how, you know, if it's offensive to your brethren, you know, and so I wonder <laughs> if, if how much further the apostolic movement would be today if we could live our lives and live our standards um, with that mindset that it's not about... And here's the thing. we uh, Too often, we make it about me instead of making it about God and others around us. Because truly, we're here to serve. We're not here to... Uh, we're not here to be served, you know. We're, we're here to serve each other. We're to edify each other and build each other up. You know, if a brother falls, there's a reason that the Bible says... You know, a threefold cord is not easily broken, and and, and you know where two or three are gathered in my name. You know, none, none of this is. It's never a, a solo show, if you will. It's it's it requires unity. 
But how, how do we get to that unity when it comes to standards and holiness? Loaded question. That was a a big bite. (laughs) Well, I think that um, that there are specifics when it when it when it regard uh, regarding uh, standards that are the business of the pastor. And God, God put him in that place, and we all need a pastor. Even right. a pastor needs a pastor. And God put the pastor in the position to to lead us to uh, be the, the a spiritual authority, be a an umbrella uh, of authority and protection. And so I think that um, you know I've I've sat under pastors who drew some lines on standards that I didn't personally agree with, but I, I submitted to that because I felt like that's what I should do. Uh, since he was my pastor, I believe that's, that is the proper attitude. And that actually, that actually makes me think that's really where holiness begins. Holiness begins with obedience. Yes. Uh, it's, it's more about, like you said, it's about God. It's, it's not about me. It's about being in God's will, fulfilling God's purpose. And I've got to put my desires and my ambitions and everything, uh, down and, and, uh, focus on uh, what what God wants and and what His Scripture instructs me to do. We uh, when especially apostolics, I mean, you know, I can speak for myself. This this is it's true for me, or it has been in the past. When we think of holiness, a lot of times we do think of these outward standards of dress of appearance of how we're uh, uh, how we conduct ourselves and i think those are very important i don't want to minimize those at all but there's also an attitude that comes with holiness and you know self-righteousness self-righteous indignation that's not a holy attitude uh, and I, I, <laughs> I'm reminded of Jesus saying the way that people would know that we're his disciples is by the love that we have one to another. Wow. That is, you know, unless I'm, unless I'm misunderstanding what I see in that is he's saying people are not going to know, you know, speaking to speaking to the sinner or the, the unsaved person, speaking to them, the way that they will know 
that we are his disciples is not by the love we show them, but by the love we show each other, one to another. And we can get, we can get self, uh, you know, a self-righteous spirit and we'll be sweet to uh, converts. We'll be, we'll be nice to uh, prospective tithe givers. We, we want to see our numbers increase, but at the same time, we might be gossiping about a brother or sister, or we may be failing to really practice ministerial ethics like we should for the ministers. And it's a, it's a hollow holiness, I think. Yeah. It's a, a fake holiness that produces that. Yeah. Absolutely. And what I find is, at, in Maine, I you know I don't know how it is anywhere else, but in Maine, we have several organizations in Maine that are one God, apostolic believe the word of God is infallible. You know, this is just, we just believe it. And you have some that if you're not part of their church, the people in your church shouldn't be socializing with you. Right. Which I feel a bit contrary to the word um, you know, and, and to the to the spirit that's in me, the Holy Spirit that's in me, it it it, it has trouble uh, making sense of that because they have tremendous moves of God and, and and people are healed, but like you you they just they don't allow you to. So like, if I were to go visit some churches, I would either get kicked out or just treated like an outsider if that makes sense and every every apostolic that's been filled with the gift of the holy ghost has certain gifts of the spirit because the bible says god gives severally to each man as he will um you know the gifts of the spirit and so i could if we're all working the way we're supposed to and in submission so if i go visit a church i would be in submission to the pastor there, obviously. And in that submission to that pastor, but if I was there and I felt God, it's a holy hush. And God's getting ready to send forth a message in tongues and then an interpretation. This is just a for instance. Right. Um, if God gives me that message, I have a responsibility to deliver the message. But you would find that it wouldn't go that way, which is unfortunate. Yeah, we uh, we can easily. It, it, it's almost like the 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 concept of holiness, separation, separation from sin, that it's taken further than it should be, and we're separating from our brothers and sisters as well. 
and um, and I know sometimes you have organizations that have different beliefs that cause some problems, but you know I think you're talking about organizations, and I know from experience that this is the way it is. Where there's there's organizations where our beliefs really aren't different enough that there should be any problem. Right. Yeah. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of it's, a lot of it's because there's some, some uh, problem, some water under the bridge. So there's got to be, in those instances, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners can attest, you know, to either feeling that uh, sort of spiritual pressure. Uh, and, and and recognize that divide, um, you know. But Jesus only has one bride, you know. And and here's the deal: you and I don't get to decide who who's a part of that, and who's not. And I think it's interesting, you know, when we're thinking about or talking about holiness and talking about separation. Jesus was probably God in the flesh, probably the most holy person you would ever meet. And yes. definitely the most holy person you'd ever meet. And he's walking, going to the houses of sinners and, and, and publicans and, and even, even having meetings under, under the cover of night with Pharisees. And, you know, he's, de- he's not necessarily himself intentionally, from what I read, engaging in, in debates. But, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees engage... In debates with him and they look at him because he's sitting down with sinners and you know talking with them and, and healing them and you know bringing them into the light it creates all this political turmoil and maybe that's what it is more than anything else is you know it's all about the, the politics behind it and the positions behind it. And, you know, if, you know, maybe they're worried about losing parishioners or, or whatever it may be. I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's really anything new. I, I think it's, I think it, you know, we could find it in the, in the, uh, in the New Testament when Jesus is walking around and, you know, preaching the gospel and, Training the disciples, and I mean, you could look at and when the disciples were coming against Paul because he wanted to bring the Gentiles in, in, and there was just that separation that God didn't intend to stay there. When you said politics, it made me think of the root of all evil. The love of money. And I don't know, I mean, politics, growing, I guess it comes back to we get we get involved with our self-interests more than with God God's interests. Wow. That's it. That's it. We're build we're building our kingdom uh, and, and instead of his kingdom. Yeah. It would do us all 
a service um, to look at our lives and see where we stand with other believers. And if there is anything, you know, that is, as you said, you know, water under the bridge, we, I believe we have a responsibility to do our best to correct that. And even if the person that's involved doesn't necessarily, doesn't accept it, the fact that we extend it, you know, I, I was doing study into pictographs and, and the Hebrew language. I don't know if you've ever done that, but that, I'm telling you, that is, <laughs> that's, a, that's a rabbit hole you can get lost in, um, you know, but when you're talking, when it, you go back about grace and uh, one, of the, one of the letters is a ladder and it's a, it's a builder, so basically, um, so it's a tent, and so that you have a, an umbrella of anointing and then, but what it is, is it's a, it's a ladder. So you, you're, you, you're building. And so grace from God that he gives us as an umbrella of anointing, we are obligated to extend as bridge builders to the lives of those around us. When I think of grace, it makes me think just simply someone who is gracious or graceful. It has to do with how they conduct themselves. And of course, this is very much holiness, how we conduct ourselves, how we live our lives in a, in a holy way. Grace, God's grace, is how he operates and conducts himself. His grace. And when he extends his grace to us, uh, he's enabling us to become more like him. And we're going to act like him when his grace is operating in us. And naturally... We're going to be a conduit of that grace to extend it to others. So let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to standards. Let's bring it back to our holiness lifestyle, you know, um, and how we, first of all, how we treat other people who have uh, visibly different standards than us. Maybe something that is a bit more what would seem aggressive, if you will. So, um, long sleeves and, and, uh, clean shaven and hairstyles a certain way. And, um, women are never supposed to have their hair down, whatever it is, whatever it may be, these, these more extreme standards, how, how do we look at them and, 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 how do we respond to their standards? So, well, for instance, if I go if I go preach for um, in Canada, in Canada they have a lot of churches, Apostolic Pentecostal churches, where they they wear this little hat. Uh, the ladies will have their hair up, and they'll have this little hat on their head, and that's what they view as their covering, not necessarily the hair, but the hat. And they they only wear them in the church, so they never wear it outside of the church. 
but they only wear it in the church. And I and and I I'm not I'm not poking fun. I'm just saying if I were to go preach there, it would be my responsibility as a minister to be in submission to that pastor that I'm preaching for. And then so if my wife was with me, we would follow suit with those same standards. If I had had a full grown beard and I was asked to go preach somewhere where they don't, where their standard in the church is men on the platform are clean shaven, then that's what I would do. You know, and, and how we how we how we look at and how we respond to, you know, higher standards, I guess, is the best way to put it. Higher standards. The first thing we should do is ask ourselves a question is, well, why why would they have this standard? Mm-hmm. You know, because there are a lot of standards that are in place. There's a reason. There's a reason there's standards there. They didn't just, you know, come way out of left field. I'm sure you could always bring it back to a particular moment of time in that individual church where there was an issue. And that issue needed something to help combat it. Or there was a spirit that was attacking the church. The Bible says that the spirit of the Lord will raise the standard. And so in prayer and in battling you know, these, these spiritual things... They came to a conclusion that a certain standard should be in place. Right. So I would say that we have this this sort of responsibility. Um, of course, the kids are kids, but I think <laughs> I think we should. <laughs> I'm a dad, so I, I guess I can say this. I think the kids in my youth group, when I was a kid, should have been parented a little better. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> you know, they they. They were ruthless, ruthless. Of course, my pastor preached. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't go certain places. There were certain things we didn't do uh, for bowling alleys. We never went bowling. We didn't go to skating rinks. We didn't go to the movie theaters. So you know, your friends are coming. You know, from other churches and they want to go and they want you to go and you say, well, we just don't do that. Uh, ruthless. I'm telling you, they would. You know, you're. <laughs> You're the outcast. You're you're this, and you you're crazy. We should train our kids that higher standards are not a bad thing. Right, right. The, and and right. and who knows? You could see yourself in ten years from now, and you might even yourself decide through prayer, and maybe you end up at a church, and you end up upholding these different standards. My dad was an evangelist um, when I was very young, and we preached um, South Mississippi a lot. Uh, and it seemed the, the further south we went, the more strict the church standards became. And I remember one church in particular where they posted their holiness standards for men and women in the foyer, right as you walk in the front door they had a list right there you had to pass by and it was not small it was rather large and i mean even things were addressed such as no gold hair barrette or you know skirts have to be to the ankles and sleeves must be below the elbow and before we went to preach there my, my dad had gone before mother and i went with him the second time and he um he had gone to mother and he was like you know she had was dressed and ready to go. And she was wearing a, a shirt with sleeves that came 
just above her elbow. They were not short at all. It was just above her elbow. And I remember, distinctly remember daddy saying, you know, Mickey, would you mind changing your shirt? It needs to be below the elbow. We don't want to offend the pastor. And, um, and of course, mother did right away. No questions asked. And um, I remember as a little girl wondering, you know, why, why did the sleeves have to be, you know, below the elbow? And, um, but I, I never, we never questioned it. You know, we just, we, we didn't want to offend. Um, but as a mother now, I've got uh, two teenage girls and one 12 year old girl and dressing them now and, and going through their closets and shopping and such. I remember that sleeve length issue because now we're talking about, well, when you raise your hands, you know, you can see, you know, up the arm and there were, there were just, you know, there's a reason behind everything. Um, we just have to have an open mind and, and, uh, I believe try not to offend and, and try to step back and see the big picture. What do you feel? What do you feel, brother? <laughs> I see it. Yeah, I think that um, unity. We we need unity. We're all in this together, or we're striving to all be in this together. And you know, like like you said earlier, it, it we're, it's one church. There's one. There's one bride, and I want to be part of it. And I know there are others who have some standards that are somewhat different than mine who also want to be part of it. So we have to, we have to operate, we have to give grace. We have to give grace. And this is really something that I felt like the Lord dealt with me during about during the uh, during 2020, during all this COVID stuff. There was a time where, you know, you had people uh, having virtual services only people not having services and other people having in-person services and and people doing in-person services when maybe it was illegal in, in some people's opinion, whatever. Uh, you got all, and you had all kinds of different opinions and people were getting, people were getting pretty, you know, upset about it. And it was, it was a, a point of contention. It was a point for, for division to happen among churches and, and within churches and I felt like, you know, God dealt with me. We need to, we need to give people grace. We, you know, I might not see everything exactly the way you do, but I'm going to have a Christ-like attitude. I'm going to have a holy attitude. Yeah. And Jesus, Jesus didn't, he didn't go to, you know, the publicans and the sinners and, and just start, 
dressing them down, you know, and, and, and telling them what for. And he, he didn't, he was compelling people. He was ministering to people. He was serving people. And, uh, that should be our attitude toward our brothers and sisters that we need to have love toward. And it should be our attitude toward people outside of the church as well. You know, give some grace, uh, Let's try to work together as best we can to further the kingdom of God. I think that I think that's a holy kind of attitude. And if your standards, if you have a standard that goes a little bit further than mine, or even if I thought it was extreme, I don't think that needs to become a point of contention between us. And if if you have that standard and you're a pastor and I'm coming to your church, then I need to submit to that while I'm there, at least. Yes. Right. From this whole conversation, um, and uh, Sister Jennifer, you mentioned uh, it about it being a journey, um, a journey of holiness, and and that's what it is. You know, we're 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 on the earth for this minute amount of time. You know. And I heard it said one time, a preacher held a paperclip in his hand, and he said, see that paperclip? That's your life. Everything outside of this paperclip is eternity. You know, and so, the, and in the spectrum of things, our life is so small, but it's a journey. And the closer we get to God, the less appealing the clothes, the attire, the, 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 the pleasure, the, yeah, all those things. And again, I'm not, I'm not against any of those things, but the closer you get to God, the less appealing the world is. Yes. Absolutely. So we're on a journey, and we're on a journey together, a journey of holiness. And uh, if your pastor preaches higher standards than you like, just submit to it and have a holy attitude. Just, uh, we might as well talk about it. I feel it right now. I feel it. We might as well talk about it. Uh, There's nothing wrong with attending multiple churches. But you still need a church that's your church that you attend whenever they have service going on. So if they have service Wednesday, Sunday morning, and Sunday night, you have an obligation to be at your church. Now, if there's another church having revival services that don't conflict with your church services at your home church, there's nothing wrong with going to those services and receiving a word from the Lord and being blessed by the the bread of life and fellowship with those of like-minded and like-precious faith. And too often, too often, you know, we, if someone attends another church, they're automatically labeled as church hoppers, uh, myself included. Um, it got me, it got me a, a pretty bad name. It got, it did. It got me a pretty bad name that I, I didn't have a pastor and I didn't submit to anybody and I was just a church hopper. And none of that was true. I have a pastor who I love, who, I mean, is, is he's tremendous, you know, and if I'm out of line, 
he has no problem telling me and he'll straighten me out and I'll submit to that. Um, and he's all, he, <laughs> you should hear him sometimes. He, we, we just had, uh, the main district family camp and he goes, uh, did you take your cards up? Did you introduce yourself to anybody? He's like, <laughs> he's like telling me to network, right? Telling me to put myself out there and, 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 to you know, build those relationships. Yes. And, but that's, 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 that's what pastors are for. They're there to help you, to guide you and to protect you. And you don't always necessarily understand the why, but God does. Um, and unless your pastor is doing something like obscenely outrageous, I mean, like way out in left field, like, like sacrificing animals on their altar or something crazy <laughs> like that. Don't go looking for another church. If you get offended, repent, first of all, because offense leaves a root of bitterness and if you let that root of bitterness grow, it creates contention, uh, it creates discomfort. Um, and, and so that, that it's got to be cut down. It's got to be cut down. It's got to be ripped up. And, and, and so th there's nothing wrong with going to other churches and, and visiting, but don't be looking for another church and another pastor. Because the Bible says right. that God gave us pastors after his own heart. So he knew what you would need, he knew what I would need, and he gave us a pastor accordingly. And that's not always comfortable, and we don't always like that, but that's the reality. And too many of us, and I say that, you know, myself included, we, we, we allow our flesh to get in the way, and instead of walking in the Spirit, and it all comes, and, and, and you know, this all goes together. It all goes with standards. It all goes with holiness. It all goes with, you know, humility and 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 servanthood and and sacrifice and and the willingness to be in submission. And as a man, and I speak as a man, submission's not an easy thing. But it's still necessary. It's still necessary, and it's a biblical concept. It's a it's a biblical it's a biblical thing. So, don't attack your man of God because you disagree with him. Love him. Pray for him. Amen. Praise yes, God. Absolutely. And in that in that same vein, in that same vein, as a as a man, you know, the man of your house, the 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 head of your house, the you're responsible for spiritual things. Um. And there's nothing wrong with a father. Making sure his daughters are leaving the house in a in a modest manner. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, there's nothing wrong with a with a father uh, making certain decisions that make sense. You know they're going to protect the household. That's his responsibility, just as the pastor's responsibility is to raise those same standards for the church body. As a father, we have a responsibility. To our homes, to our wives, to our children, and women. And that's not always easy. It's not always easy letting the man be the head of the house. Um, you know, I have found as a father with three daughters, 
there are times that I have felt uncomfortable about something, something I didn't want them to participate in or whatever it was. It made me feel uncomfortable. I didn't feel like it was safe, you know, spiritually speaking. And, but I couldn't really explain it. I couldn't, I certainly couldn't give an explanation that would be satisfying to my kids. And there was, there was a, a time where I would feel this way about things and I would struggle. You know, I'd have this inner struggle, you know, because I couldn't give a good reason, but I still felt it. Uh, eventually I got past that and I realized I am the father. I am the spiritual, uh, my role is, is a spiritual protector. And so I believe that in that role, not, not, not because I am smarter or more spiritual than anyone else, but simply because I'm the father, I'm the head of the house that God will deal with me about some things at times. And so I decided if, if I have this feeling, which I believe is a check in my spirit about something, but I don't have a good explanation, that's fine. I don't need a good explanation. I don't feel comfortable with it. And so we're not going to go there. We're not going to do that. Or we're not going to purchase that or, you know, participate in that, whatever it is. And, you know, just the same, I believe that God will deal with a pastor like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a pastor, well, I mean, a pastor is something uh, similar to a father. I mean, Paul considered himself a spiritual father of Timothy. And so I believe God will deal with a pastor about some things. And, and, and he may tell, you know, he may put a check in his spirit about something. And I may not understand why. And he may not be able to give me an explanation for why that satisfies me. But I, I should remember he's my pastor. And, you know, besides how smart he is, besides how spiritual he is, besides how much he prays or how consecrated he is, beside all of, besides all of that, he is in the role of pastor. And I think that alone puts him in a place where God's going to tell him some things that he doesn't tell me. And he might tell him some things about me that he doesn't tell me. And, you know, my, my response, I believe, if I'm pursuing holiness, is to submit to that. Amen. That's good stuff, brother. That's good stuff. And... I'm going to come, I'll, since we're right on it, I'm going to come right after the dads again. I'm going to come right after the fathers again, because I'm a father and I need to hear it myself. Uh, you know, husbands, your wife should not ever have to feel like she needs to follow certain standards, certain uh, trends, certain lifestyles of the world. That, that are contrary to the word of God to appease your flesh. Amen. Amen. It Amen. should never, 
even cross their mind. They need to feel beautiful as they are, as God made them. And that's from the moment of marriage into the maturity of marriage. Because, hey, brother, you don't look like you used to either. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I know all about that. My wife can cook. And I have put on some pounds, but you know what? She loves me anyway, and she makes me feel loved. And she tells me that she still thinks I'm the most handsome man in the world. And I'm telling you what, if the, if the husband and the wife can get on that same page and lift each other up emotionally, spiritually, in prayer, you know, and, and as she is your help me. She is there to help you. She is not less than you. The Bible refers to the woman as the weaker vessel because literally women are not as strong as men. But they can still be just as strong spiritually. But we need each other. Yes. We need each other. I think um, too often uh, husbands, they just tend to forget um, especially when you've been married for a while. We've been married for, what, 21, 21. 21 years. And there's just some things you just forget about, you know. But um, husbands need to remember what an incredibly huge impact they have on their wives' self-esteem, both good and bad. And it's, it is so easy um, for an apostolic woman to see the models in the magazines or the ads on social media or wherever and think, how can I compete with that? I, I can't, I can't compete with that. Um, but when a woman feels that she is truly beautiful in her husband's eyes, she'll act like it. And guys, you can help her feel beautiful more than any other human being on earth. And it's so important uh, for husbands to realize that their wives may have been taught holiness standards from the pulpit for years, but they can actually help their wives believe it in their hearts at home and want to live it. And the, the women who, who want to cover things up, well, they may be feeling, you know, ashamed, not good enough, unattractive, self-conscious, insecure. They need to be reminded that their worth is not in themselves but in God and his love for them and that they are complete in him. And I, I believe that husbands need to step up as the priest of their home, uh, not just in the role of father, but in the role of husband and remind their wives of how beautiful they are. Amen. Amen. And that in turn, that in turn, how the husband treats the wife will not only reflect the way that the children see how a marriage should operate and should be, but it will put something in their heart to desire for themselves. Yes. And so when they get into a relationship, you won't have to. You won't have to be in those uncomfortable situations because they will already see it and they'll already understand spiritually certain things and, and certain red flags in relationships 
you know, and, and, and they'll learn that it's not about necessarily uh, looks and it's a part of it, but that's not, that's not the end all be all. The biggest thing is, you know, relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. And that being the number one and everything else following in line with that. Because when we do that, holiness is easy. Standards are easy. Oh, yes. Relationships yes. become easy because we're no longer, we're outside of ourselves and we're right. in Christ. So as we close out this episode, um, I want to ask you incredible folks, what is one thing you want someone who has listened to us talk about this subject for 52 minutes? What is one thing you want them walking away from this episode with? And you can each share individually. That's fine too. Or together, whichever. Well, I would say <clears throat> let's have a holy attitude. Holiness, you know, I've said this and I've heard it said that holiness is an inward condition having an outward manifestation. And I used to really like that because I thought it summed it up nicely, but I don't like it so much anymore because I feel like it implies there's a distinction between the locations of holiness or that there are different kinds of holiness, that there's an inward and an outward holiness. But I believe holiness is just holiness and it's on the inside and the outside and and all through and through and and it you know and it begins with obedience and the point and the purpose is to be close to god because he's holy i mean that's what we're ultimately that that's the big that's the big problem that began in the garden and, and it's what jesus fixed for us and if we'll get on board with that we can be part of that and no longer be separated from god and i think you know our attitude really well it impacts it impacts all of it it impacts all of it because our attitude is what's going to determine whether we're trying to straddle the fence whether we're trying to get away with whatever we can you know check the check boxes off and do everything that that our flesh wants to do, but still, you know, keep one foot in the world, one foot in the church. Mm. Uh, is is that our attitude, or is our attitude, you know, what more can I give? What what else is there? Anything else that I can do for you, Lord? Uh, and I think that's the attitude, an attitude of submission to God, and of unity with our brothers and sisters. Amen. Um, for me, I guess it would just be a, of a more personal uh, thing. When I was when I was going through my my early thirties, um, I don't I don't want to get into all of it, but I was going through a personal storm, uh, my own private Patmos, as my dad used to call it, um, and I found that during that time, my greatest stumbling block during 
that time of vulnerability, it, it wasn't found in the world. Believe it or not, it was in the church. Um, because I was looking at those in leadership and not just one church, just in general as a whole. And I began to see, well, she covers up her flaws. Uh, she, you know, I can tell, you know, some things are subtle and only women can notice some things, guys don't even have a clue, but women have a way, you know, of subtly doing things. And I could tell, and there, there were certain things I saw and I was like, well, if she can do it, why can't I? And the lines became blurred for the first time in my life in my apostolic life, the lines got a little blurry, um, because I became confused, um, in looking in the church and seeing all the differences there. And it became feeding ground for more doubt, even on other apostolic issues. And the lines, they have to be black and white. There's no room for gray when it comes to holiness. And I just would like to speak to those women. If, if you have doubts, if the lines have become blurry, talk to someone talk to your pastor, talk to your husband, talk to a friend and go back to the basics. If you need to, if you need to refresh yourself in a holiness course, if you have questions that you need answers to, uh, seek wisdom, seek godly counsel. Don't let doubt, uh, become a feeding ground in your mind. And, um, because we don't want to become a stumbling block to others. We want to build each other up. Amen. Amen. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pentecostal Periodical Magazine, a 501c3 ministry with writers who believe and live apostolic doctrine. A few writers include Kelly Nix, Scott Phillips, Samantha Thrash, Neil Purcell, Larry Chocklin, Jeff Arnold, and more. You can subscribe at www.pentecostalperiodical.com. If you would like to join our writing team or would like to make a donation, email us at info at pentecostalperiodical.com. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.